podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Good to have you with us, gang. I am Mike back in the house. Who better? Who else? To cast his eyes over week 14 of the NFL. And frankly, we thought it was going to be looking a little bit dry this show, the way the early slate games went, with one or two exceptions. First half of the the nine o'clock window games, and then suddenly the weekend sprang into life. What a lot we have to get into, including Monday Night Football. Fresh off the back of that. How about those Rams? They're suddenly contenders. Again, not that they ever were contenders. This is the point, right? Everybody's overreacting. Everybody's jumping to crazy conclusions after a couple of weeks and one or two bad performances. They were always going to be in the mix, but it was a big, big statement win for them over the Cardinals. And the condensed pack of challenges is getting more and more fascinating as the weeks roll by. So that is what we're going to get into. Me, I and Mike, some of your questions from the mailbag. So let's get straight to it. I'm Mike back in the house. Disappointingly, no Christmas jumper, though. No Christmas jumper. I do have like my souvenir shirt from the days when um, when I was doing the heads oh, nice. up poke, the heads up poker circuit, which didn't last very long. Unfortunately, <laughs> it was a great idea, but um, but I we did do some matches in St. Petersburg and Barcelona and Vienna, and um, that sounds awesome. So that's taking top pros, and they just play heads up. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, we 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 kind of pioneered the heads up television, and that's why I was doing the job because I've been. I'd been doing skiing with the people who were producing it. And we just sat around one night talking. They said, oh, we're going to do poker. And I started saying, well, you, you ought to take it like it's a sports event, not not poker, you know, and it's heads up and do all this kind of stuff. And then they came back and said, do you want to announce it? And I said, sure. It, it was a good gig for a while. Yeah, it sounds um, it. Yeah. I, although I'm, I'm, in, I'm actually very depressed tonight because I went into last night's game yeah. Having having picked all 13 games correctly. Oh, you didn't go cards, do you, Iron Mike? And I went cards. Not only that, but cards were also in my column. That's <laughs> your best bet. my best bet of the week. <laughs> oh, Iron um, Mike. So, um, That's still very respectable. A third, more than respectable. Yeah, 13 and one. And it was, I thought it was a pretty easy week. I mean, there were a couple of games yeah. that, you know, obviously the, the two that went to overtime, which we'll talk about. Mm. Um, and, and Thursday night was a real tough one to pick, the Pittsburgh-Minnesota game. Mm. Um, but otherwise, it was... It it was, you know, kind of a, a, a straightforward week. And I felt so, so my only I'm, left field pick was the Jets, which you love, of course. Uh, I just, <laughs> but, but that's just well, that's, the official Yeah, you know, I understand yeah. that because it's kind of the way the season has gone. Right. Um, and, and because there are so few, maybe no, um, great teams, um, although it looks like Kansas City is starting to round into that kind of form, mm. um, you know, it, you know, you get games like Jacksonville beating Buffalo, say, right. uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. But um, I was I was mired down in sort of 14th place. I, I took a look um, after the 13th thing before the week uh, tied with AccuScore, my nemesis. Oh, you, your, your nemesis, AccuScore. OK. Yeah. And um, AccuScore went 11 and three this week. So I'm only two games ahead of AccuScore. <laughs> but, I'm, you know, that puts me back in like the top six or seven oh, um, work, of the but... experts behind Matt Bowens having a very oh, good season. Nice. Um, with 140 and what i what what i like about that checking it um uh, on pick pick watch is i mean i'm way ahead of cousin greg for example <laughs> okay. Um, okay i don't i wouldn't i would never you know i would never gloat uh, uh 
to cousin Greg, but that, but there are other there are other people. You are, you are <laughs> there are other people who I would I, I would be happy to gloat at being uh, far ahead of. But there there you go. I love the fact you're back at the top uh, the the top tier of that. Uh, I'm guessing AccuScore's back in a bar in Reno after after that. Well, uh, you know, AccuScore say AccuScore is is relentless, so they're sitting two <laughs> games behind me. And and as I used to point out when I would. Mm would um, do far better than any of the people like in NFL Europe, Europe, or UK, NFL UK or whatever. I, as I used to put it, you know, if you're, if you're um, eight games better over the season than somebody, it looks like a lot, but that's actually only half a win a week. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> sure. it's one, it's one game every two weeks that you've picked, you've picked better. And uh, you know, so it really is a kind of tight run thing. But It is. And this season, you know, as you've alluded to, particularly difficult uh, most weeks anyway, uh, at least my Drew Locke of the week landed on edge rush, which means this is the most important battle of all for me, not the overall picks, but my head to head with, with prop. Oh, Ollie, the producer, um, he's on a bit of a tilt right now. And I'm on having been on a tilt now on a, bit of a run so that is neck and neck i think in the in the in the drew locks of the week so that's exciting edge rush will drop a bit later on this week uh we've got ollie Connolly dropping uh later on this week as well but we are all about looking back at week 14 let's start with monday night football mike in the game that uh the only game you got wrong on your slate and i think it was a, a surprise to many people given the news that had broken a few hours before the game that the rams are really short stacked hit by illness so no drill henderson no Jaden ramsey they were road dogs anyway so that was in in the context of uh, those issues. That was a superb win, wasn't it? Yeah, and you know, I, I wasn't. Funnily enough, I wasn't that worried about the loss of Jalen Ramsey because I, I mm. sometimes wonder how they use him. Um, you know, whether they use him as well as they might in terms of shutting down the other team's big threat. Now, with Arizona, of course, you've got multiple threats, so that that wasn't so. Um, and. Sony Michelle had a really good game. I thought. Yeah. Um, he ran really well. It's funny because if you watch the highlights as opposed to watching the game and I did, you know, you would think James Conner ran for 150 yeah. yards <laughs> and sure. he had 31 yards rushing. He is uh, underrated though, James Conner. I do love oh, yeah. it. I love the he's, way he runs. Sad. And, and I think at one point in the game, one of the announcers said that they talked to him and he said, you know, they're letting me do things the Steelers didn't let me do. And, mm. and I, I think that, you know, although I, I, I seem to remember him catching a lot of passes a lot of those. Yeah, he men, did. Cause he came in for left Yeah, yeah he did. He definitely did. Um, just, but I just come back on Jalen Ramsey. Cause that's a really interesting opener. So, th- and they move him around for sure. They don't always yeah. put him on the number one, but he's not, not always. That's the thing. Yeah. That's, that's what, what I mean. I'm, they don't always put yeah. him on the number one, but that, yeah. but that productivity is, isn't that particularly effective in, in the modern NFL, given the fact you can put him on the slot receiver, you can put him on the extra receiver, you can really mix him up. Yeah, I, I mean the, the, that's why they do it. Obviously, that that's that's the idea. And and but I sometimes think he's wasted on a slot receiver. And I don't mm. demand that you put your best corner on the other team's number one receiver because, mm. um, as we've seen with other teams, you know, oftentimes the better option is to put him on the number two receiver and double the number one. Right. Um, and and thereby shut down shut down both guys and 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 um but it, it it just seems like a lot of time and part you know it's partly i think too i i'm, I'm going to criticize myself but it's partly <laughs> the teams tend to work away from him a lot mm. um you know you your first instinct isn't to throw at jalen ramsey um because he's so good but but that's but they, a huge they, advantage they sort of, yeah the big play in that game i thought was randy gregory oh sure um randy gregory 
sorry, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Leonard would have been Flo- out of a big Leonard play. Floyd. It was Leonard the same Floyd. play as Randy <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gregory. Yeah, okay. That was my, Randy Gregory, <laughs> Leonard Floyd, and I all made the same play. Although I, <laughs> although I did it against the Southern Connecticut State College freshman team uh, when I was playing for Milford Academy my senior year in high school. Um, and, you could uh, recall it McVeigh style. I love the fact. I, oh, absolutely. I mean, that was the, that was. I had two interceptions as the defensive end my senior year, and this one I ran fifty-seven yards for a touchdown. And I was so winded they couldn't. I had to sit out the kickoff. I was on the kickoff feed. I <laughs> couldn't oxygen. go down for the kickoff. I was there. <laughs> yeah, and there was no oxygen, oxygen in those days. <laughs> didn't have no. a budget for that. It's amazing but, how um, you can recall same that thing. You know, tip to yourself. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it's so satisfying when you, when you get you know you get that a shot like that. Um, but I thought that was the key, really the key moment. There were a couple of mm. um, there were a couple of turnovers that they. They kind of killed Arizona. And then the, the penalties toward the end, the holding penalties on Aaron Donald, you know, okay. Uh, the second one, especially with the, the good run where, where Murray had that great run behind and it was right behind um, yes. the hold. So I, I wasn't upset about the call at mm. all. But then on the next one, when they called the off the false start, mm. I mean, you watch guys early kicking the whole game through through entire games a tackle will will be stepping back before the snap you know and, and starting and then when you finally call it then i'm thinking where's the super bowl this year <laughs> what would be a really good story if the home team and what's the big tv market you yeah, know? yeah and then yeah. i said no no don't don't think that cynic kind of you and mike yeah, so i it, don't i don't that, want to take away from the rams the rams win um well let's drill down a bit more really how they game. how they did it because something that occurred to me you made a great point and have have a few times on on the show this season, the move with uh, the Chiefs, and we'll get into them a, a bit later on, and the fact that the Chiefs bringing in Melvin Ingram has opened up that defensive front yeah. significantly. Looking at the productivity that that Donald was getting last night in particular, also I know you're a big fan of, of Greg Gaines as well, is the addition of Von Miller, I know it's not like for like, but is it a similar principle here that by having Miller in the mix and the attention that he obviously requires but it's so far i don't see it mm. um and gains I, I love you mentioned gains because I, I liked gains coming out of college i thought he was a great draft pick for for them um and he's kind of the he's kind of the space eater that you want you know if you have a aaron donald in in, in the front who's you know you want a guy who can maybe absorb uh, a couple of blockers take on a couple but he's really mobile for a guy his size mm. and, and that's what i liked about him in college and washington seems to come up with these guys you know vitavea being the, the biggest the best example um and um I, i'm not sure vaughn's made made as much impact although you know it, it means they have dangerous rushers on both sides now when, when, when they want to, because you have to allow for Gregory as well. I keep Leonard, <laughs> Flo- Leonard Floyd as well. Well, maybe Gregory uh, too. Yeah. Gregory Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> um, wasn't he? Well, Greg Floyd was with the Steelers, wasn't he? Um, <laughs> that was, Greg, that were really that was Greg Lloyd. Don't get into the cab, Jordan, Jordan <laughs> yeah, Cameron. I'm going, I'm going crazy here. Yeah. But, but yeah. Uh, and, and that, that I thought was, was, was a big factor. And I, and I liked the way that, um, yeah, one of the things that's interesting is that you have about six teams who are basically playing single wing football, but a modern variation of it. But it, uh, all the snaps are taken from shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, you even saw with Arizona, you know, uh, Rondale Moore, for example, taking the direct snap uh, when they want. The, but they'll run out of that formation as a ma- as a matter of course. Um, and 
and the quarterback runs. I mean, Stafford plays most of the game in shotgun, but that's not single wing because he's passing. He's passing all the time. But with with Kyler Murray or Cam Newton or Taysom Hill or Lamar Jackson, you know, the, the tailback as as he is fields at, at Chicago, uh, Josh mm-hmm. Allen, you mm-hmm. know, the, it, the running threat is part of the game and they're running out of that formation. So, you know, I, I found it interesting that they were able to make long throws on the run where you, you wonder how a guy five foot one can see down down the field, you know, <laughs> that, that far. It's, it's, it was, it was really um, spectacular. And it, just to be general is again, you know, after the, the early games this week uh, and, and that includes sort of the nine o'clock kickoffs, I was getting really bored <laughs> with, with the week. And when, and, and when um, Tampa went up on Buffalo, by a lot. I was all those games. Yeah. But half time. I I was thinking another one, you know, and then all of a sudden those two late games and um, not so much the green Bay Chicago, although that was entertaining. And, and then the game last night, the last four games were pretty good. (laughs) We're pretty good value. It's like, why it's why we watch football. Right. The second half of the later games actually to be good because the half time, you're right. looked because we'd done the radio show earlier on, which was a slog, even with the great Phoebe Schechter and and Ben Isaacs, it was a slog just on Cooper cup. I am Mike. Uh, another big game for him, of course, uh, a career high, actually, I was reading 13 receptions, a career high for him, another hundred plus uh, racked up and, and another score. Talk about how McVeigh uses him because he seems to line up everywhere, anywhere on the field. I mean, he really rotates him and moves him around, which is. I think that's become more obvious as well since Robert Woods has been out mm. um, because Woods, they do that with as well, you know, They'll, they run woods a lot, jet sweeps and things like that. But with Beckham there, it's as if Beckham has taken the woods role as a downfield receiver and Cup is then left to, you know, to do it. And mm. he'll fool you. You know, I, I, who, was I, who was I talking about? Um, oh, um, when, when I was writing about Demarius Thomas last week. I was talking about when he and Eric Decker were, were paired up and that was a great pairing of yeah. receivers. And then when Decker left to go to the jets, they got um, Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. And I, and I was saying, boy, it would have been, if those three had been on one team, you know, it would have been, a, you would have had every kind of receiving covered, you know, cause they were, they were, Damaris Thomas could go across the middle. He could go deep. He was in a red zone kind of target for jump balls. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, you know, can do anything that, you want him to do any role slot outside. And Decker was the prototypical sneaky fast <laughs> <laughs> yes, guy. He was. You know, he was big. He had great hands, but he was, he actually had quicks. And and I covered him in college when he was at Minnesota. And, you know, he was, he was deadly and, and he was the ultimate sneaky fast guy. <laughs> and, and that's what I was thinking with Cooper cup. You know, he's, he's sneaky fast and, and they use him, <laughs> they used him downfield. They used him on short routes. I think, I think in the end he was under 10 yards a catch because they were throwing so much short stuff to him, but mm. that opens it up for him. And, you know, um, I just uh, um, love the fact that, you know, coming out of Eastern Washington, they, he was just looked at as another Wes Welker, yeah. um, Cole Beasley type, you know, and, and, but he, you could see, although it's against a lower level of competition, you could see that he was being, you know, he could play out inside, outside, whatever. You know, he wasn't just a, a kind of really quick inside receiver. Yeah, I did love, love to pigeonhole, love to overreact. And speaking of the latter, the narrative about the Rams in, in the last month or so has been 
they might make the playoffs, but they're not serious contenders. Of course, that's completely changed now after uh, the Monday Night Football result. But it's scratching beneath the surface. I think the critics underpinning that argument were saying not just they've gone all in. I mean, that's, uh, I think, a commonly accepted uh, position. But the fact that because they've gone all in and the way they've gone all in on certain players, there isn't really enough strength in depth there. But you look at it and we mentioned Greg Gaines, mm-hmm. Le- Leonard Floyd. I'm not sure if we're counting Randy Gregory as a rab or not, but <laughs> you, get, you get my point. But then you mentioned, I think you mentioned Ernest Jones earlier as well. Von Miller described Ernest Jones as uh, the Kyler Murray of their defense. He, uh, the rookie, had a, a, a big game again last night. You've got further back, of course, Darius Williams opposite Jalen. And offensively, with the addition of Beckham, Cooper Cup balling, you've got uh, a, a stronger running back tandem when a player like Sonny Michel is putting in performances like last night. I'm not sure I buy that argument, Mike, that there isn't enough strength and depth there. They've done a really good job um, in, you know, in this era, uh, the McVeigh and, and Les Snead era of drafting and also finding guys um, on the street. Darius, Darius Williams, well, I think was undrafted, but, but originally with um, Washington or some somebody mm-hmm. let him go uh, undrafted, um, you know, and some of the great guys that they've lost in the last couple of years. Came, uh, Troy Hill, Troy Hill, for example, yeah. came, came on the same. And Jones was what a third round pick, I think, um, you know, who, yeah. who didn't have quite the measurables uh, um, as an inside linebacker, but they, they liked, they liked the fact you know, they liked the fact that he looked, that he was smart, that he, he was active um, and, and quick. And, and so they've, they've done a good job that way mm. uh, of Bill. And of course, that was a know, third round of Jones. Yeah. Yeah. And of course you have that theory that, you know, when you have a guy like Aaron Donald, for example, inside that the extra tension he gets makes everybody else's life easier. Mm. And he's always going to be the first guy you have to consider if you're an offensive coordinator, I don't care if Von Miller's on one side or, or Leonard Floyd's on the other side, or, you know, Jalen Ramsey's in the secondary, the first guy you, you have to scheme around or, or plan to, to cope with is Aaron Donald. Cause mm. you know, he's so disruptive on the inside of, of the line. And, and there aren't too many guys who can do that. You mentioned the chiefs and Chris Jones is, is mm. kind of like that. Um, uh, in, in almost a different way. And, and when you beat the Rams, one of the ways you beat the Rams is to control Aaron Donald. You know, it's, um, I think I've mentioned it on this show before, uh, or maybe it was in a private conversation with Phoebe Schechter. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, either this show or a private conversation with Phoebe Schechter, one of the two. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done a show with Phoebe in a long time. That's We've got to fix but, that up. We've got to fix it, that But it was... Um, it was uh, one of the keys to the Super Bowl was that basically Joe Tooney mm. um, blocked Aaron Donald man, man for man. Yeah, you were talking about, I think maybe game. even on last week's show, you were making that. Yeah, it wasn't last week, but but well, yeah. I think you were mentioning Tooney. I think you were because we were talking about. But yeah, Chiefs but thing. I mean, if you watch the um, the NFL films film about the, you know, you, you see Donald on the sidelines blaming himself to some, you know, right mm. near the end of the game. He says, my fault, my fault. I let, you know, I, I let them, I let him hand, you know, block me one-on-one you know and mm. um normally if you block it on one-on-one you lose you know <laughs> not on every right. play but you don't it, you know it's what like if you lose one in three you've lost the game um mm-hmm. basically the the, the 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 knock on the rams is that they're front runners mm. that they find it hard to come from behind and some people were blaming that on a lack of 
of intestinal fortitude, say, mm. um, but also others on the fact that they're kind of one dimensional team in terms of no running game. Um, and, um, you know, since Todd Gurley was healthy, really, they haven't really had a, a running game. And Gurley was was a kind of special special kind of guy. I, I liken him to a Marshall Falk kind of back, you know, because mm. of the how good he was running running past players. But now they they now they seem to um at least have adjusted adjusted to that and and by bringing in Beckham who is starting to look like Odell Beckham from a few years ago. Um not yeah. as great as all the hype demanded, but yeah. still a, da- a a dangerous receiver. I th- I think they're okay, but if you look at McVay's record you know, trailing at halftime, I, I, he doesn't have many wins. Mm. I'm trying to remember what the actual stat was. I, I was going to say he had no wins, but mm. I, that might be wrong this after this season. But you know, that, that's Just a, a major factor. A major concern for them. Just a final point on this, Mike, because I know there's a, a ton of games we've got to get into. It's just interesting as you, you talk about the that era with Gurley, and obviously they they never replaced him like for like. How much of this is a, a young coach like McVeigh, and I think we forget that sometimes that he's still relatively inexperienced compared to a number of his contemporaries, adjusting his offense to life after uh, having a player like Gurley, you know, and, and that's going to take time. Yeah, that's a great point because I think um, part of the problem with Jared Goff was once, you know, without Gurley, it, it, it emphasized Goff's limitations more. Gurley was gave them a really good sort of safety valve, not not in terms of like, oh, Jared, if you you know, if the rush is hard, toss it to Todd, but in terms that they could they could call plays that would limit the rush by, you know, by sending him out on 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 pass plays. Mm. And um I think maybe this year too, that it's been there's been a certain amount of adjustment for Matt Stafford. Um I think there's also um I don't think their offensive line is as good as it was, mm-hmm. which might be a factor of age and injury. Uh, the weird thing was they were making a big deal about Andrew Whitworth being the first guy to start at tackle at the age of 40. 40. And he's on a two-year deal. He'll be back well, next year, they were saying. Yeah, except Jackie Slater started at 41, and, and Ray Brown was playing, I think, till 42. And it's like, this is just my, you know, yeah, <laughs> just from memory. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. without looking it up. I and then I did look it up just to make sure I was right. But yeah, I, I don't get where that stat comes from. Mm. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't make much sense. And Jackie Slater's in the Hall of Fame. It's not like he's an unknown. It, right, know? right. It's strange. Well, uh, a correction, a clarification should have been fired in there and then. Quite frankly, <laughs> I might. Uh, let's stay with the NFC West uh, and talk about that 49ers win. George Kittle uh, perhaps said it best because it was a great game. Uh, that was a damn playoff game out there. Said Kittle, was. he was he was brilliant as well. And uh, they said uh, this is actually Zach Taylor. We tried everything to stop Kittle, and they didn't have an answer for him, did they? No. And, you know, he was making catches where he was literally triple teamed. I mean, double teamed and somebody coming over to the ball because they were they were kind of putting a robber in in the middle against him. Um, It it, I thought in the in the fourth quarter that they were done. There were there were two straight drives where on key third down plays, B.J. Hill sacked Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm. and he fro- it, it froze is the wrong word, but but Garoppolo was stuck in the pocket, you know, couldn't couldn't get out of the pocket, couldn't find a receiver open. And I thought, OK, Cincinnati is going to win is going to win the game now. And then, you know, on the last drive, they they managed to come down um, 
And of course, if Gould had made the field goal, they win the game in regulation. So, mm. um, so Zach Taylor's so, getting a lot of criticism for his play calling, Mike, um, leading with the run and overtime, calling running plays at crucial times in the game as well. And Burrow was 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 balling. We thought Burrow might be might struggle because of his pinky, but he didn't appear to at all. Is that fair? The criticism that, that Zach Taylor's been getting for conservative play calling? I don't. I don't think so because um, his running backs, Joe Mixon. You know, and and there is in the last couple of weeks, and I won't say it's all due to the Patriots beating the Bills and only throwing the ball three times, but people are realizing that, you know, if you can run the ball quite quite a bit, that, you know, it puts you in a good position that way. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you, you take, take those runs um, away, but I think it was more that the San Francisco front was was sort of dominating them. And, and there was a no call on Josh Norman when he when he mauled um jamar chase mm. um which i thought was pretty brutal um and would have changed the complexion uh, of that game but that's quantum refereeing so you know it's you i go crazy every week with, with that <laughs> kind of stuff so there's no there's there's hardly any point any point to do to, to to doing that but um you know if you take away the two muff punts yeah, you're right. It's probably a different game as the well. The 10-point swing pretty much, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so so it's hard it's hard to put you know, I wouldn't blame Taylor for his play calling um particularly. Uh you know, if they get the call on Norman then then he get he gets bailed out. I I think Do you sense Francisco, that Taylor's the right guy to take it because it's I'm not convinced. Side. Yeah. I'm not convinced by that, but a lot of that I think you know will in going forward will depend on his um, relationship with Burrow and whether he keeps the, keeps the whole team focused. Um, I think they're probably still a player or two away on defense, Um, Mm. but you know, they're, they're one of those teams and there's San Francisco's another, uh, the chargers are another, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're in that seven, seven and six category mm-hmm. because they're seven and six kind of teams. They can, you know, they're good, but not, but not great. They, they don't dominate um, decent teams. And when they're playing each other, they, they're close games. I thought that was just a perfect, perfect reflection uh, of that. And, mm. and I thought Debo's underuse in that game was interesting. Um, Rufus agrees, by the way. Rufus is a big Debo fan. Yeah. Mm. Um, Debo and the Jets. Uh, and, uh, you know, like especially as a receiver, you mm. know, and, and um, I thought it was significant that I got the touchdown because they have to involve the rest of their receivers. Can in you stop game. interrupting uh, interrupting Rufus, please? He's making quite an important point. <laughs> Rufus, go bite somebody. <laughs> Did you hear that little? Yeah, I loved it. Its timing was impeccable. Hey, Rufus. Better than mine. Yeah. (laughs) Well. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I I thought that was that was kind of crucial. Yeah. That, you know, they and the week before, you know, I thought like Trent Shearfield in the end zone on the, the winning play on the third down play, not the fourth down play that was tipped. You know, if if J.D. Reed is going to be able to wrap you up in a bear hug for the entire entire time then you know you're not going to score a touchdown but that's like, quantum refereeing as well back to the quantum uh, I, thought, I thought it was it wound up being a really good game mm. um, although not, 
Not as good as <laughs> Buffalo and Tampa. Oh, God, we're going to get to Buffalo and Tampa. I just want to look at the North race uh, for a minute. Incidentally, the uh, 49ers have Atlanta this weekend at home and the Falcons with their win over Carolina, six and seven. So they're still improbably in the, the playoff race. That's what they're telling themselves anyway. I, I want to go to the mailbag for the first time, I Mike, uh, and say hello to Ian O'Brien. Thanks for your message, Ian. Lots of you got in touch, incidentally. Always do when I Mike's on uh, at the NC show. So apologies if we can't get into them all on the show. Uh, we'll try and answer them on social media. Mike probably has answered them all on social media. No, anyway. I, I, oh yeah, he, sta- he stayed. stayed up. <laughs> Fair play. Uh, Ian says, with the AFC North wide open, can the Steelers realistically get themselves into the playoffs? Uh, he goes on to explain his point and emphasize the injury issues they've had. So let's look at this uh, AFC North uh, really tight race there, isn't there? So the Bengals, as you say, Mike, seven and six. The Ravens, eight and five. They're hoping to get Lamar back this weekend against the Packers. That's what Harbour and well, the camp is saying anyway, that the ankle injury there, they're hoping, despite the fact he left the game in a boot, they're hoping he'll be he'll be fit for that one. The Browns with their win, they're now seven and six. And the Steelers are- what, in the boot six, of Lamar? <laughs> no, no, he was wearing left a- the, he, left, the, left the stadium in a boot. He, he might've got in the, it's like the back of a pickup truck. He had a yeah. 12 pack. Well, I, no, I don't the Steelers think Steelers are so. six, six and one. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, Tough running for them. They've got the Titans, ben, Chiefs, Browns, yeah, the and ben, Ravens. The Ben Woodsman, you know, um, <laughs> as they oil they oil his joints. Uh, oh. you know, when, on Thursday night, it was like it took him three quarters. He was getting killed as well in the first half. It took him three quarters to get just to get his arm loose enough to throw. (laughs) And, um, you know, they gave Minnesota a fight in the end, but they, Mm. I look back, look, I look at the schedules and, and yeah, they're, they've got Tennessee. Yeah. At Kansas city, Mm -hmm. then Cleveland and at Baltimore. Yeah. They got the toughest running. So um, Cincinnati has Kansas city as well. Uh, Baltimore's already played Kansas City, obviously. And then um, Cleveland's at Denver. Uh, Baltimore's got Green Bay and the Rams. So, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. But that Pittsburgh, they play Baltimore. Pittsburgh-Baltimore is the last game of the season. Right. Um, and that, so that, it could conceivably be um, be a decider. But I suspect that either Cincinnati or Cleveland will, will make it not so. Uh, and, of course, they play on the last week. Um, You're right. The last week of the season, nobody's got an easy run in in that division, mm. um, which is why I think Pittsburgh probably is it, looking at it. Pittsburgh is is the least likely of those four teams to survive, like Kansas City, because um, um, they most of them might split the games, right? So it'll pretty much stay kind of as it is at the moment. You, you, yeah, you think. yeah. Uh, it, what do you think of Harbaugh going for two? Uh, early that's he's got a lot of i didn't understand that to be honest um he explained it saying uh, at least we know where we stand if uh and it's better that way around as opposed to saving it up and going for it at the end so if you make it whether you make it or not you know where you stand you know what you've got to do that was the argument he gave to the press yeah there were a couple of crazy ones like that washington was up 27 14 i think it was and we're went down for two we're down, down. yeah they were yeah. down 27 14 and they went for two which made no sense to me at all yeah um and um and didn't want you know it wound up not making any sense in the end they lost by seven but they were you know they were in a position to um if the it would have been six if the extra point hadn't been blocked so they would have been able to win with a touchdown um i think harbaugh was 
um, on a, he was like surfing. He was surfing the wave of his two of his two point conversion the week before, <laughs> and he decided he was going to be riverboat riverboat river or some, river. something like that. Um, it, you know, there was quite an interesting guy on Twitter who's an analytics guy called Computer Cowboy Mike, and he <laughs> uh, he wrote uh, yeah no comment. He wrote uh, since two thousand and eleven. Drives uh, that have begun with between one and four minutes left in the game with the possession team trailing by eight points have seen that team go on to win the game just 8% of the time. Yeah. There, if you go for two, you only tie the game. Um, I suppose it doesn't take in as we are exactly that. And if you're tying and overtime coin flip. Yeah. Yeah. That brings in the old momentum argument. Oh, the Mo um, argument. Yeah. You know, if you tie the game, say at the very end with a two point conversion, does that give you the momentum or mm. have you just shot your wad? And does it, you know, <laughs> do you go, do you go in yeah. flat um, yeah. into the, into the overtime? I don't know what the answer is. And I don't think it, I don't think there's a, there's actually a determinant there because I keep having this discussion with various people I work with um, that, um, you know, momentum, plays make momentum momentum doesn't don't make plays and i understand the especially when you're like in the offensive line or something like that and and you're you're on a roll and and therefore there's a little bounce in your step that is that is true but it only takes one play to to stick a pin in that and deflate it completely um and if momentum were momentum that wouldn't happen you wouldn't make a mistake you wouldn't you know the if it's momentum that's going to carry you then you can't you know you can't lose your momentum and have it go to the other team. It's, well, can't you temper? I mean, isn't is, is it that yeah, binary? Well, look, yeah, look at. But the- I mean, I, the, my my point is, yes, you do. You can lose it to the other team, but but if that's the case, then why bother talking about momentum at all, as if it were a real thing? Well, did the Steelers not have momentum in their comeback against the Vikings? Then it felt like they did. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you and the other team starts panicking. And, yeah, you know, they, they don't know what they don't know what to do. Washington sure. against the Cowboys, there was an element of that. But I think yeah. it's a good point. Actually, that's a great example that there was really a play that uh, that that really made that close. As opposed yeah, Mike to Mike Glennon and the Giants, you know, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Glennon, did you see his run for the touchdown? Glennon's always been a decent runner. Hasn't he? he ran for he ran yeah. for the touchdown. It was kind of like, okay, I guess I have to. I guess I kind of have to hit somebody when I go in and he sort of turns sideways. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. He probably <laughs> said sorry as he was going past. Let's talk about the Bills box game, Mike. Uh, what, a great, of, what a great yeah, game. Wasn't it just look dead and buried the Bills, didn't they? Yeah. And I think, yeah, you talk about momentum. Mm. You know, I, I'm the kind of person who thinks that the Bills go away from that game thinking like, what were we doing? against the Patriots and in, in the first half of that game, you know, why were, why were we so intimidated uh, mm. for lack of a better word? No, why no, were, I'm with you. Why were we so flat? You know, why, why did we let these teams do this to us? And in the second half, they'll take away from that, that they can play with these teams. Now mm. to an extent that depends on putting all the onus on Josh Allen, but it always has done. Um, and each week I say, you know, every team's game plan against the bills is you keep Josh Allen in the pocket and make him beat you with his arm, not his legs. Mm -hmm. And Tampa couldn't do that in the end, you know, um, running against them was, was a non-starter. Um, but when Allen started running and then that opened it up a little bit and Singletary could be a factor, um, to catching passes as much as running, but, you know, we, we, we almost have to consider, 
things like shovel passes and jet sweep forward passes and stuff like that runs, you know, yes, not, sure, not passes. So I, I thought that was good. I also thought they did a nice job of containing Tampa's threats. And and again, you know how the Bills are kind of going to do that because they stick with that that sort of. Um, it, it, I'm being simplistic, but it's mostly two man zone um, a cover a cover two that they play really well and they play it a nickel so um, they can they can clog the middle, but. The game, the play that won the game was a classic example. I I thought Josh McDaniels was calling the plays for them. You know, (laughs) Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if it was a Brady. It was a Brady. Brady But they they came out of that triple set on the on the left, intending to get the mismatch on the linebacker because they knew that's how it was going to be covered. And so therefore they got Perriman into that mismatch on Tremaine Edmonds. And um, not that Tremaine, you know, it's not that bad a mismatch, but Perriman's quick and Mm. he had the whole field and Brady got the protection and you just saw Brady, he's looking downfield, he's looking downfield, but what he's seeing is Perriman moving across, you know, short and he's just waiting for Perriman to get a a full step on Edmonds before he throws the ball and then Perriman can turn the corner and and go the whole way. It it was, it was a brilliant bit of play design. And, and um, I know the arguments were, were all about the refs giving Brady the breaks and and all that kind of stuff. But, Mm. um, you know, I, I, um, I would have, I would have called the pass interference on Gabriel Davis in the end zone, but I understand why it wasn't called because it often isn't. Um, and, and the more Davis hand fought back, the less likely it was to be called. But, you know, if they didn't call JD Reed for the bear hug, and there was another one in the Seattle game, um, this week, uh, oh, it was Nico Collins in the end zone, you know, he got, had him in a bear hug the whole Mm -hmm. way. Um, if they don't call that, then you can't expect that. Um, I didn't, I didn't, wouldn't have called the one on Diggs, which wasn't called either. Um, because it was inconsequential uh, mm. contact as far as I could see. And I would have called the one that was called um, on, um, it was Wallace, like ran into Evans. Evans starts to come back to the ball and, and Wallace, who has no idea where the ball is, runs into him and hits his head with his arm. And everyone's saying, oh, it shouldn't have been called. But uh, including Terry McCauley, who used to be an NFL referee, wouldn't have called it. But I think that's part of the problem with the game now, because to me, it was pretty obviously interference. The worst call I thought was the spot on the Fournette carry. I was I was convinced mm. that they hadn't got the first Hadn't got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generous. Run. But yeah. What do you make of Josh Allen's performance, Mike? It was great. I mean, second half, especially, but, but I'm not, see, I don't know how sustainable that is. That's the problem. Right. Um, You know, you, you can't expect him to, to run. It it was based on his running. You know, every, everything else flowed out of the fact that Josh Allen's running opened up the defense a little bit. Um, And they were, they were, they were on their back foot trying to keep, trying to, um, trying to um, contain him. They, they didn't run the ball. No running back touched the ball or ran the no. ball in the first half. Yeah, at all. So let's, let's get into that because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Devin Singletary fan. I think he's a, a good player and I think he has a lot of upside. And he, he doesn't seem to be getting, well, based on that stat, used at all, used enough. And this is the book on the Bills. They don't have a ground game. They don't have... A, do you look at that Bills running back core and think, well, they are 
underwhelming? Is it something to do with the line? Well, they, the shouldn't, they shouldn't they shouldn't be because right. yeah, because Singletary and Moss was supposed to be the right the pairing, you know, and, and Moss I think has been underwhelming. Um given the talent that he's got or, or, or showed. I think it's more the offensive line, which mm. which isn't as good um as it needs to be. And we knew that, I think, coming into the season. They uh, they they were content to get by with that offensive line because Josh Allen makes it better by keeping plays alive uh, outside the pocket, which is why, again, why you want to keep Josh Allen in the pocket. Right. I think in the first half, they just basically decided that they weren't going to be able to run on Tampa inside. And so they didn't bother to try. But in the second half, they 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 tried a little bit, but but mainly they ran with Allen and, and they realized mm. that they had to at least run Allen um, in order to open up the pass game a bit more. They were making it too easy for Tampa's defense. And it's, Mike, how it's, difficult on that? How difficult is it for an offense to establish a ground game with their running backs when you have a, a dual threat quarterback? like Josh Allen. Well, it's it? not difficult. You can still do it. Um, and, and the interesting thing is we had a couple of instances this week of teams with no running games, still running play action pass. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and the old thing is, oh, you got to run to establish the play action pass. You actually don't. You know, if, if it's a situation where, where you can fake the run and hold the, the linebackers, you hold them regardless of whether your runners are any good or not, sure. regardless of whether you're handing of off to them or sure. not. Um, but like I say, this was single wing football with Josh Allen in the second half. Um, and, and that let them at least give Singletary some carries um, as they went in the half. And, and to be honest, if, Brady, you know that pass that Brady completed to Mike Evans where Brady was being hit and, mm. and or actually was trying to avoid the hit, but he was falling backwards, literally mm-hmm. falling backwards uh, and threw a loop, you know, a sky ball up for Mike Evans mm. uh, and got it there, you know, perfectly placed over the defender and into Mike Evans' hands. A couple of plays like that negated most of the good stuff that the Bills did in the second half. Mm. And, you know, and I think that's why Tampa now become – firm favorites um and the rams i think right now with it with recency bias will be people will be looking at the rams now as kind of like i wouldn't be surprised if they move into second favorite uh spot that's gonna be a tough choice for the nfl do you want tom brady or um or do you want la in la um Oh, they would definitely want a Brady. They definitely want a Bucks well, Patriots Super Bowl. Well, yeah, that depends on the Patriots. And so now, and now, don't get you know. I, I think everybody's jumping the gun on New England mm. because it was it was a great win last week against Buffalo, obviously. Um, but they've got Indianapolis and Buffalo again the next two weeks. Indy mm-hmm. on the road this Sunday, and then Buffalo at home, and. I suspect that Buffalo at home game will be a very different kind of game. Um, there's going to be a lot of bluff and counter bluff tactically, but I also think the bills are going to come out, you know, trying to prove that they're a better, they're a more solid team uh, than the Patriots and, and um, trying to do what we thought they would do two weeks ago, maybe show the limitations of, of a rookie led court, you know, quarter mm-hmm. quarterback led offense. Um, well, particularly in the, in the deep waters of, of the playoffs, Mike, I've got a question. I'll go back to the mailbag from Drew Boyle. Hey, Drew. Uh, he asks, are the Patriots built to beat Kansas City or a back-to-strength 
Titans. The latter is something that a point we made on, I think it was the Edge Rush show last week that now after the Titans win, everybody's piling on because Julio's back. AJ's going to be back. They're going to get Derek Henry back for the playoffs and they're winning and building a strong record despite missing some or all of those players in in recent weeks in the run-in for the regular season. The Titans, a lot of people start sleeping on them the moment Henry went down and that's a mistake. They look like they could be timing their run uh, very well. You've made the point that the Chiefs are, are doing exactly that. And it's something we've talked about on this show that they are looking formidable. So Drew's question, are the Patriots built to beat them? How do the, the Patriots match up to either of those two teams? Well, the Patriots-Titans has always been an interesting matchup um, since Vrabel's been the coach there. Um, and they won last year, the Tennessee won last year, if I remember right, you know, and Henry had a big game mm-hmm. uh, and, and they can, Ray Rice in Baltimore had a big game one year in the playoffs and, and destroyed the Patriots or yeah. early touchdown run was the start of it. I think they can do pretty well against um, in fact, in some ways, Tennessee may be the harder nut. They, the Patriots defend Kansas city. Well, they always have it, Bill and Andy, you know, Bill and Andy is a, is a great back and great back and forth. But even um, even with uh, Cam at quarterback, they played them they played them tough the year mm. the year before. They should have won that game um, when with the uh, Nikhil, Nikhil Harry non touchdown touchdown um, because Bill understands ways to stop the. Um, ways to stop the Kansas city offense or ki- or keep it under control. Now, whether they can do that with Mac Jones and without a, a sort of deep threat offense, I don't know. Mm. Um, and the way that the chiefs defense is playing right now might slow their run game down a lot. Um, and part of that, I think is the, the linebacking um, gay and gay and Belton are, are doing really well. Um, it's funny because since teams play in, in sub packages so much, um, and the Bills, for example, the Chiefs mostly now, um, the Bucks mostly play in, in a 4 2 f- most of the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Levante, Levante, David, um, um, David and White, um, David and Devin, um, <laughs> because they cover so much ground, mm. because they, they're so strong against the run and, and the pass. That's, that's what Buffalo want from Edwards and Milano. But, mm. but they're not quite as uh, they're not quite as they're both very, they're both very good players. Milano's tremendous is having a tremendous season this year, I think. But but they're just a little bit less big against the run. They're a little bit less quick against the in the pass coverage. Kansas City's getting the run stopping from those guys, and 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 the pass coverage I think will come. But pass coverage is not what you worry about primarily against New England. Um, so I, I think in a way, in a way they're they are geared to beat both those teams, but there'll be questions about it. They can stop Tennessee's running or hold it in check pretty well, as they showed against Buffalo. They can dominate the front. Um, and and I think Mike Vrabel deserves at this point to be getting a little bit of mention in terms of coach of the year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. For the way that they've they've kept their season going um, with with really a raft of, of injuries. And yeah. interesting that- And somebody, upside on the defense as well, right? Because nobody had their defense playing to the level that it has for, for much of no, the season. Yeah. No, and, and somebody said to Bill Belichick, asked him a question about coach of the year or, or that he was being considered for coach of the year or something like that. Mm. And Bill said, well, that's nice. He said, but you know, I think Cliff Kingsbury deserves- uh, 
ought to get coach of the year. So smart, definite mind games. I think that I think that was Bill's juju. You know, definite mind games through Belichick, particularly after Kingsbury's uh, performance last night. Just on um, Vrabel, did you see the? Yeah. handshake or lack of uh, <laughs> yes. the open mind. I wrote, a, I wrote about this um, on Friday in my FM, my um, Patreon column about Urban Meyer in more detail because of the stuff with his assistant coaches, supposedly, you know, and um, contrasting him with Vrabel, who's an mm. NFL guy, mm. um, you know, and, and Vrabel actually coached at Ohio State. Yeah, this, that's my point. Did he see, not see the handshake at the end of the game? Yeah. Well, the lack not of, they... with, not you know, not with Meyer. He was when Luke Fickle was the intro. Oh, was he not with Meyer on the yeah. on the same stuff? Oh, okay, that changes. Yeah. <laughs> that changes. Um, All these guys work. So, so that, but but you know, my point was that Vrabel is the essence of an NFL coach, and Urban is the essence of a college coach, for whom a lot of things are easier once the recruiting is done, mm. um, and. He's also got more control. He's in effect. Most college coaches are in effect the general managers as well. Um, and their word is law. Whereas in the NFL, although your word it can be law, there's an owner and there's a general manager um, who are, and the players are adults. Um, and the, the hold you have over them is that they're making their living, but a lot of the contracts are guaranteed anyway, or, or to some extent. And you have to kind of do it by, you you have to gain trust in a, in a different way, mm. um, and and Meyer has lost that obviously. I think in in Jacksonville, you you know that didn't look like a team that wanted to play. I think Trevor Lawrence's, I wouldn't say his career is hanging in the balance now, but you know, but we haven't seen much from him that we would have expected to see mm. um, going going through this year, and and that I said at the beginning of the season because I couldn't understand why you would have Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer as the coordinator and quarterbacks coach if you were trying to bring along Trevor Lawrence, you know, as a as a pro quarterback. It made no sense because they're they've both been kind of run run oriented guys and, mm. and um <clears throat> haven't brought along brought along anybody. So I thought maybe Urban Meyer was thinking about doing that stuff, but his quarterback judgment has been questionable at best. Um which I did. I did a thing way back um, in his college history. Meyer has done basically better with the quarterbacks he's inherited at each job than with the ones he recruited, mm. even at Florida where he inherited Chris Leak and won a national championship and recruited Tim Tebow. And yes, he won one eventually there, but, but um, you know, Bowling Green, Utah, uh, Ohio state. It's like, yeah. He let Burrow go. I mentioned that, you know, he let Burrow go from Ohio State, preferring Dwayne Haskins mm. and, and various other guys. Um, and someone said, yeah, but Burrow wasn't that good. It took him two years at LSU, you know. But that the point is that somebody, i.e. Joe Brady, developed him at LSU, coached him. He wasn't bad his first year, just, you know, the team around him had to gel together. But that's what Meyer hasn't done. You know? Right. It's, it's like he his he uses the athletic ability of the quarterbacks he likes, but he, I don't think he actually develops them as quarterbacks. As he, Cause he went with Haskins over Burrow, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Haskins got, you know, ton of ability, but the problem yeah, when he got right. to the pro game was it asked, you know, it asks you for a much more uh, complicated set of reads mm. and, you know, um, 
and business to take care of. And, and that's where his problem was. He was, he's kind of a slow processor in, mm. in those terms, but ton of ability. Um, well, this question about his work ethic. Did you see that story that broke when he was suited? Because he's, he's third on the depth chart, obviously. He was suited up one game. And one of the ESPN reporters heard some of the coaches talking on the sidelines or the assistants talking on the sidelines, talking about Haskins' lazy-ass warm-up and how he was just going through the motions. The first game of the season as the backup, but at least suiting up could get some action. He was just, you know, maybe that's, you can read a lot into that, I guess, with the, uh, she's not happy with the situation. He's not being a backup. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I think that's exactly what you read, but there's different ways, you know, guys have different ways of coping with that. And one of the right, things right. in the NFL is, and in football in general is you have to be ready, you know, it's, it's precisely like, particularly at, in that at position. any position, at, yeah. you know, yeah. at, at any time, that's, that's your chance. And you've got to be, you've got to be ready to take it. I think too, one of the things people may be noticing about Meyer is that he tends to coddle his favorites. He did in college mm. and, and make other people responsible um, coaches as well as players, you know, but famously Meyer told Bill Belichick that Aaron Hernandez you know, was a great character um, and hadn't been in any trouble. Now, a lot of people were fooled by his character right? because he was very good at that. He was, a good, you know, he could be a really great guy. And, mm. you know, Gino Ariema, who's the women's basketball coach at UConn and, you know, the, the most successful college basketball coach of all time, mm. he coached um, him in AAU basketball when he was in high school. He was a great kid. You know, mm. loads of people thought so. And and he was, but he also wanted to be, when he went back to Bristol, you know, he wanted to be one of the guys, you know, mm. and, and not sort of a quote unquote sellout. Um, and that was, a, but Ma, when Meyer said he hadn't been in trouble, Meyer knew he'd been in trouble, you know, but they had covered it up. Right. You know, so he, he had to stick to the, stick yeah. to the script. So, you know, so he looks one and done, doesn't he, Meyer? I, I would guess so. I, I would think he's looking at college jobs now. Yeah. Of course, you know, there's a new thing in the NFL this year where if you if you have the coaching opportunity, you can start interviewing guys the last two weeks of the season, um, you know, ahead. Of course, if yeah, you yeah, have, yeah. If you yeah. have an opening. An opening, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that that would apply right now to the Raiders. Um, and I think it might well apply to Jacksonville. Um, mm. you know, before the season ends, I think they may agree to, for Meyer to walk. Now there's a lot of money on the table. He might decide, yeah. you know, he might decide not to walk, make them fire him because yeah. you know, there's an awful lot of money there. And, um, he may need to open more bars around Columbus. Mike, <laughs> <laughs> right, we got to wrap. We're out of time. Anything else? Oh, I don't want to wrap. I'm, it's too early. In the oh, come on. <laughs> we love it when you drop some mid nineties West coast. Uh, just see if there's one multi one for the road on. Yeah, do I? Because you know, I I don't want to disappoint. How about Taylor Henneke's pass to Sims? Wasn't that a beauty? Taylor um, Tyler Henneke. Yes. The you know that reaching the points that other other quarterbacks can't. Um, <laughs> Cole Holcomb's interception. Oh, Cole, go Cole Holcomb. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were there was there were a lot of little things. You know, those 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 little. Oh, and we had we did have Scoragami as well. We did. That's um, right. Yeah, Kansas City and Vegas, forty-eight nine. I think that's the third one this year, which is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. What are you writing on for bat uh, on about? What are you writing about? What are you writing on? What are you writing on? That's a good on? question. I, I think probably I'll start with a single wing football. Um, mm. Oh, another interesting thing. Jamar Chase. Mm. Did you notice on his touchdown, he had a great touchdown catch from Burrow. But when he caught it, did you notice he didn't catch it with his hands? He caught it with a basket. 
mm. in his because arms. Because what happened the week before. It was exactly what happened the week before. And, mm. and the ball rolled through his arms and out the other end mm-hmm. and was intercepted. I thought that was interesting because he also had a drop early in the game. And I saw a stat just before the weekend started. The leaders in drops in the NFL going into week 14 were, were Travis Kelsey and Debo Samuel with 10 each. Mm-hmm. And Jamar Chase with nine. Mm. So Chase has at least 10 now. Now, part of that is factor is that they get more targets. Um, so therefore, you know, you, you would get more drops. And as a percentage, it may not be the biggest. But I found that very interesting because, you know, that every time you looked at Kelsey for the first six weeks of the season, he was being like Kittle. He was being double teamed and, you mm-hmm. know, and dropping, a, dropping a ball because it's hard to hang on when two guys are hitting you. Mm. Um it, it, it's that that may be something I, yeah uh, that looks interesting watch that oh, the other thing i'll write about is onside kicks oh I, we didn't i was gay of course or onside, non, non-side kicks as the nfl kick. wants to call them lying um, so four I, I think four the referee website was going crazy because there should have been a penalty because they lined up they lined up wrong one guy was like not outside the, the hash marks because you have yes. to you have to be two and three you know inside outside the hash marks and numbers um but you can't advance an onside kick just to make it easier. Yes, work. yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 which is a crazy rule. Yeah, and I, I think it, if it, it at least if the kick doesn't hit the ground, <laughs> you ought to be able to advance it. You know, like when mm. the player when it's up in the air and it grabs it, you ought to be able to run with it because that's what happened, and and obviously it it didn't count. Um, you know, I understand to an extent why muffs on punts are different than fumbles but only to a slight extent. You know, I think mm. you ought to be able to pick up a muff and run with it as well. Yeah, I agree. I but think but an onside kick is a free ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You catch it straight. You a should free have, ball. Should have, been, should have been allowed to take, take <laughs> that, it to the house. That reminds me of the great moment when Dennis Rodman was doing an interview for GQ or something like that, some improbable um, style <laughs> source. And, and he was asked whether he were, you know, it was like 10 quick questions. And one, the second one was boxers or briefs. Mm. And Dennis Rodman said, neither. I free ball. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Of course, Rodman goes commando. That doesn't yeah. surprise me at all. Uh, I would like to throw out at the end, Mike. Have a think about. It. Maybe we can get into it on next week's show. And we'll deep dive a bit. That uh, got me thinking. This establishing running backs in a team where there is a quarterback that is lent on to run, a, so a, a top tier dual threat quarterback. I think there might be something in that. I, I, I really do. In terms of the, I don't know whether it's a lack of rhythm, whether it's the certain play calling. I, I, I wonder if there is a connection. In other words, would Buffalo have to look at it a different way, a stronger ground game if they didn't have Josh Allen at quarterback, but they had say Joe Burrow, for example. Possibly they, they would have to, I think. Um, and, and part of the reason, part of the answer to that is that teams would run a lot more RPOs. Mm. Um, and you don't, you don't see as much of it as you might, but I think it, I think it's there uh, from these college spread offenses, but you know, the, the offenses of coaches like um, um, Chip Kelly, when he came in, you know, everybody thought this was pass yeah. first kind of, but it wasn't, it was a run offense. And that's why it, that's actually why it didn't quite work in the NFL as well as it had in college, because yeah. it depended on the quarterbacks running, um, you know, before, before he pat before he tossed to the trailing tailback mm. um if the quarterback was a real one threat that's what made it work and that's harder to do in the nfl not least because even if your quarterback is a really good runner you don't want to risk him 
you know, cutting in off tackle play after play and, mm. and being, you know, whacked by defensive ends and linebackers and safeties coming up, um, which is why, for example, the Saints don't run lots of RPOs with Taysom Hill. Um, they'd rather run him as a more as a single wing tailback and, mm. you know, straight at add a hole, put mm-hmm. a fullback in front of him and, and let him go there. But, you know, you can, you can run a lot of dual threat plays with the tailback being the, the quarterback being the tailback and the tailback being the single wing fullback. There were a mm. lot of plays that were designed for those kind of runs. Um, and, and the quarterback in a single wing was playing behind the guard usually, or, you know, in the gap sort of guard tackle at, and only a step or so off the line. So he was mm. in effect, what you get from a tight end or H back in motion in that kind of position. So you, you, you know, that's where the blocking and the, the confusion would come and they would, they would run off of that. I think it's a good thing. A good topic. Mm. But we've just talked about it. I think oh, I'd you like know, to yeah. clip, clip that it clip that six minutes or whatever. And we can, I, yeah, I, I'm in. I am in. I, there's something into because looking at. Yeah, I know Edwards Hilaire is established now, kind of, but you got the. Yeah, I think there's something in this. I'd like to look into it more. Brilliant stuff by Mike at Carlson Sports. Is how you follow the big man on Twitter, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE for the win. Uh, subscribe to that. I recommend it heartily. Uh, some brilliant stuff uh, all season long and beyond as well, all year long, uh, to be precise. I'm Mike back next week. Uh, hopefully, a Christmas jumper. If not, the, I expect a Hawaiian shirt for our Christmas show. Something. We'll, we'll come up with something. For, you know, <laughs> something better than the heads up poker circuit. Mike sings Christmas. Do you remember that CD cover? We did? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's bring that back. Brilliant stuff. Bye. Look after yourself. <laughs> I'm still... <laughs> yeah, I got to find that. I got a picture, a screenshot of the album cover. So send it back to me. I'm going to put it out on social. <laughs> Take care, bud. Right. Brilliant from Iron Mike. He will be back next week. You can count on it, and I'm expecting something special. Let's get Mike Sings Christmas. I'm going to get a carol out of him. Or at least, at the very least, as a Dean Martin, a Dino, a Dino rendition from Iron Mike is what we'll do. Your Christmas, our Christmas present uh, to you. More coming your way this week. We've got Ollie Connolly, brilliant X's and O's guy. He is dropping by a little bit later on. This week, Edge Rush, me and Propo. Ooh, that's getting good. The Drew Lock of the Week battle. If you haven't checked out Edge Rush yet, it's a lot of fun. Even if you don't uh, wager on the NFL, uh, you're not uh, a degenerate like me and Propo. <laughs> it's still a lot of fun. We preview a lot of the games. Uh, of course we do, and we get into a lot of stuff. So games we don't necessarily get into on the preview show. You can find those on Edge Rush. So between us, we get you set for the weekend between those two shows. Big shout out to all of you who have left a review, who've shouted out to us on the platform you listen to us on. We really appreciate that. It helps us a lot with our sponsors. It helps spread the word. Uh, helps us algorithmically. Apparently so. <laughs> Maybe it will mean we'll get on TikTok one day. You never know. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the show uh, and we will be back later on this week with plenty more where that came from. See you then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.